Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to uh, wrap up Secret Wars and do a couple of other issues. So uh, let's get started with Secret Wars 2, number 9, the final issue on sale December 17th of 1985 to wrap out 1985. It's 48-pager. Yeah. And um, it's called God and Man, Man and God. On the cover, it says, A Time to Die. And it looks like the Beyonder is going to kill everybody in the Marvel U. This is not an iconic cover. Nope, not at all. Should have saved the last cover for this cover. What was the last cover? It's the one where he's gigantic. Oh, yeah. It's it's the classic one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Uh, As for X-Men on this cover, I spy with my little eye Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Colossus. Wolverine looks like he's saying, Futzer! (laughs) Yeah, that's all I see. Scarlet Witch. Um... Colossus looks like his mouth is a giant mustache. It does. It, and then, uh, yeah, where his chin is could be like his little mouth below yeah. his giant mustache. He's very, he's not screaming in, in pain. He's just very concerned for, why are my sideways? <laughs> I do not like this. Neither does my mustache. Yeah. Mr. Fantastic's mouth is pretty yanky, too. It's uh, as his missus. Well, I'm assuming that's Sue Storm, but... Yeah, um, most of the art in this particular book uh, is like that. I don't think they gave penciler Al Milgram all that much time to work on this 48-pager. Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, I wonder if it will start to show towards the end of it. A lot of this, to me, this particular comic, is just like rehashing everything that we've already kind of rehashed already. Like, I feel like every issue of Secret Wars 2 is the Beyonder... Like, first I did this, then I did this, and then I did this. It's usually one or two pages that uh, does that for sure. I think there's a lot in here, but uh, I don't know. Marsha, she calls the Avengers. Um, Beyonder's out in the space. He, he's getting ready to destroy everything, but he's just not quite ready yet. Did Where did we leave? We lift off, didn't I thought? Okay, so we left off and he was, he decided that he wasn't going to kill everything, but then he came back and decided that he would. Yeah, he, like, uh, because Owen uh, kind of caved when Marsha did what she did, um, he was happy <laughs> that he wasn't, that Owen was, was a broken man or something, like, something like that. I don't know. So so because of that, the Beyonder was like, this amuses me, so I'll give you another day or something like that. Okay. I don't really remember. <clears throat> but uh, Marsha, she can't stop eating. She's got donuts in her face, and she's trying to talk to them as she gets through to the Avengers. You know, I'd like to say she's stress eating, but that would add an extra character development, like, to... A, uh, that would be an extra characterization that I don't think Jim Shooter is uh, capable of. No, this is just, like, she's fat and likes to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's not very... Uh, I don't know. It's not very good. The Avengers operators clearly are like, look, you crank, we don't have time for this. But then Marcia says the Beyonder word and uh, the Fantastic Four and the Avengers all jump into action. And along the way, they pick up, uh, well, they all appear in a place along with Spider-Man and Silver Surfer and a bunch of other people. <laughs> yeah, making the first few pages sort of pointless. Yes. <laughs> And Reed Richards, he stretches out trying to figure out who's all there. And I like how the Silver Surfer is totally surfing. He was, like, he was, he was, whoa, 
Yeah, he, he was mid-flight, probably surfing the solar rays, and boom, here he is in the desert or wherever they are. Spider-Man was mid-swing. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. actually looks like he's hopping off of Silver Surfer's surfboard. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, when the torch is like, wow, it's like a convention of who's who in Super America. Don't see any X-Men yet. But that's when on the next page, Rachel appears with the X-Men and says, it's not a who's who without the X-Men. Hey, everybody. I bet you're wonder why, wondering why I called you here. Oh, so it was her. Does she have this power? I believe she says that, yes, she says... Uh, oh, she probably still has some beyonder power yeah. left, right? Even though I have some residual power left over from that which was given to me by the beyonder himself, we need you. So Rachel has assembled all of the heroes in, I guess, the final last-ditch plot to kill the Beyonder. And uh, Captain America says, I have assumed you've gathered a group together to find the stop the Beyonder. If that's the case, I think the rest of us can put aside our differences with the X-Men for now. Wolverine says, that's real big of you, Captain America. Jerk. Since we are supposedly outlaws, enemies of the state, and all of humankind... I can help too, says Marsha. Marsha. Everybody just poo-poos and sends away. Yeah. She does a display of her powers, but Rachel's like, mm, yeah. And she zaps her back to the front of her and Owen's apartment. And we One get- more or less against the Beyonder makes no difference. <laughs> that, oh. <laughs> Yes, Jim Shooter does not know how to write the X-Men or possibly the Avengers, not being an Avengers reader, but... In the last issue of X-Men, it seemed like everybody was important. The entire universe was important. She wouldn't have turned away anyone. Yeah. Well, anyways, for the sake of the plot, I guess, Marsha heads back into the apartment. She rehashes kind of the events of the last issue. And she finds Owen's teddy bear ripped in shreds, and she assumes the worst. But it turns out that Owen is... Well, we don't know, but Owen's on the chair, hands draped over the side... Maybe he's taken his own life, Adam. That's what it would appear to be. He's. It would. It, uh, the implication is that he's dead. Yes, he couldn't take the stress of Marsha throwing herself at the Beyonder, so he's taken his own life. Spoilers, since we kind of already blew it. He's alive. <laughs> Damn it, Adam! It mattered a lot. Well, the Beyonder. He's. He likes. A, he likes his gadgets, you know. So he's flying around in a helicopter, and uh, he he flies it into his underground sanctum. I like this panel where he flies a helicopter into the earth. Yep. And uh, then he disintegrates the helicopter to create a chair. And he sits there for a few panels and he's like, well, maybe I need a camera to, to collect all my thoughts. So he creates one of those. I like the line, don't need the copter anymore, just a comfy chair. Yep. And so he videotapes him, I don't know, confessing, not really confessing, but just rehashing. This is the part that you were talking about where he reiterates the last nine issues. And Secret Wars 1. We get a couple of pages, and uh, then he eventually makes the decision that since he's he's taken a human shape, but he's not actually become mortal, so he's going to create a giant machine that will do that for him. I'm not really sure why. Well, he, he just decided that um, the, the only way that he's truly going to understand why humanity clings to their their uh their lives which is the one the one point that he keeps harping on throughout this thing is by risking his own life that's what he's decided he may regret it but he's gonna do it 
So he's created this machine, but he doesn't want to use it yet. He wants to test it. So he decides that he will gather up the energy and shadows of thoughts that are the sole remains of the gasp new mutants that's right and so he uses this machine to rebirth uh new mutants boy there's not much there i was pretty darn thorough (laughs) yes but these are not i mean these i guess so these aren't the new mutants but they are now going to become the new mutants well they're they're the dust particles that were left of the new mutants okay so they are effectively the new mutants yeah they're they're whatever whatever kind of abstract ideas were left of the new mutants so is this like when storm was killed and then reborn in the side of a ship maybe sort of similar okay uh but they're they're not quite whole yet they're kind of zombie like or at least they're under the beyonders control so the beyonders like okay well i did a pretty good job here so i'm just gonna send them away and now i'm gonna use the machine which he does and it immediately turns him into well i guess it disintegrates his current body it sucks him into the machine and then creates a baby, which then very quickly grows into an adult, passes through the birthing canal. Yep. Kind of graphic. He is born um, the way babies are born. And he pops out and he's like, oh, my God, this is, this is I never imagined it would be like this. And he freaks out and he goes and grabs the base of the vessel, which I guess contains all of his powers. And he's able to kind of reform back to himself. Right. Just in case. He decided to uh, set aside his power at a place where he could easily reclaim it in case he was um, unable to the task of humanity. Then we, uh, Marsha uh, and Owen Reese, uh, Owen's not dead, as we, we said, uh, but he, he does in a touching page basically says like, uh, you took me to the bottom of the well. I was done. I was finished. I was going to take my life. But this whole ordeal has made me realize that I don't need you. And because I don't need you, I'm stronger. And they kiss. So, yay. Owen Reese has grown. And then he makes the decision that he's stayed on the sidelines too long. It's time for him to do something. So, he's got to go save the world. Their world. Yep. Um, so, the Beyonder is like, well, that was crazy. That was exhilarating. That was uh, amazing. I'm going to do it again. Again. And he does. And this time he he um, he does not touch the power base right away. He's kind of running around. He He's out of breath, which is something he's never felt before. And then Mephisto and his demons show up. And they're all like, hey, you're mortal now. We're totally going to kill you. Yes, but apparently Mephisto's powers, or has no powers on Earth. All he has is illusions, which are very convincing. So the Beyonder, yeah, the Beyonder thinks that he's being stirred up in a goblin soup, uh, impaled on like a pricker branch, razor vines. Mephisto barfs some maggots onto his face. Yeah, burnt ultimately, and but the Beyonder's like, you can't hurt me here. This is this might seem real, but it's not. It's all an illusion. And he's like, I'm gonna get my powers, but his powers are on fire. But he pushes his hand through the fire, even though in his mind his hand is burnt off and all his fingers fall and he's blistering and melting. He eventually gets to his powers and turns back to the Beyonder that we know and love, and the Mephisto and his goblins disappear. Drat, says <laughs> Mephisto. In a fist-bumping moment. Yes. And so the heroes are still just kind of hanging around. 
They're like, where is he? What should we do? Rachel's like, he's below us, nine miles down. And the Beyonder spots this on his giant Vizzy screen, and he's like, hmm, I have an idea. I'm going to use these new mutants to attack those heroes. Molecule Man shows up and says, I can get us down there, but we need a plan. Yes. They also have a uh, little back and forth about how their pasts aren't aren't pretty. They both they both made mistakes. My past ain't pretty either. I like long odds better than no odds. Thanks, Wolverine, isn't it? <laughs> and so the new mutants are, I guess, reconstituted. Not really. She, the Beyonder programs them with instructions to defend the Beyonder. And so the mu- new mutants are teleported to the to the surface, and they attack all the heroes. And they do a very good job of taking out these heroes. The heroes uh, don't recognize them still, which is in keeping with what happened. Mm-hmm. Strange, they're wearing costumes like the X-Men wore long ago. Why? Who are they? <laughs> it's a bunch of fighting. Uh, I'll see, it looks like Karma and Mirage uh, take out Rachel. Um, eventually Iron Man, Hulk, Submariner, Wonder Man take out Cannonball, who's been knocking everybody down with his powers. That's got it. Well, I guess he was blasting, so that doesn't hurt. But man, that's, that's quite a, it's quite a bunch of tough people to punch you. Yeah, you can't really get much more powerful than those guys. Thing gets a hold of Wolfsbane, surrounded by Tigra and Wolverine. There's some weird dialogue here where, let's see, Thing be nice, says Wasp. It's national take a furry person to lunch day. And Tiger says, is that so, Wasp? Get a nice mousy in a dish of milk, will you, Hawkeye? And Hawkeye says, starve, puss. Yes, that witty banter is weird. <laughs> now, I'm assuming that has something to do with the uh, kind of relationship that Tigra and Hawkeye have in West Coast Avengers. But I'm sure it's also terribly filtered through the Jim Shooter uh, badness filter. Yes, yes, I would agree. Vision takes out, uh, Vision and Silver Surfer take down Magma, and uh, Colossus and Magneto take out Warlock. Now, I have to assume that the New Mutants have been bolstered with the Beyonder's powers. Yeah. That's the only way this makes sense. Or their drive to protect the Beyonder is so strong that they're pushing their powers to the max, maybe? I don't know. Something like that. Eventually, um, Dagger and Sue Storm are able to take down Mirage and Karma. Oh, and uh, uh, Scarlet Witch also helps with her hex power. Hex power! Combination of those three people are able to uh, save Rachel. Rachel, in the course of this battle, has learned who these people are, and uh, I don't know. (laughs) They recreated their zombies... Uses pawns like us. They go to the X-Men school. Later, I'll try to undo the damage he's done to their minds. For now, I care only about making the Beyonder pay. That never happens. <laughs> nope. And as far as Owen Reese's plan, well, it's just to disintegrate the ground and bring all of the heroes on top of the Beyonder. The Beyonder has figured out how he's going to deal with being human and, and not being an and being uh, non-vulnerable. Yeah, how's that? I forgot. He doesn't, actually, he doesn't actually say. Oh, he just says he's figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He needs to make a few small adjustments to the machine. The trick is to become mortal, yet also retain my power. I don't know. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but... Molecule Man does it, so I should be able to as well. Oh, I see. So, yeah, so the heroes all crash through the Beyonder's, I don't know, shield or whatever he's got going on. 
they're punching him and attacking him, but it's the Beyonder, so he just he just pushes them all away. Molecule Man is able to get through to him, and they're having a little power battle with kind of the universe, a bunch of aliens, um, dinosaurs, and cavemen behind them for some reason. Why is there an eight? Uh, is that an eight, or is that like an infinity symbol on its side? Why is there an infinity symbol on its side? I don't, Whatever it is, why isn't it there? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and and the and Owen Reese, he's really holding his own. The heroes are trying to help, but they can't do anything. Um, uh, Owen's like, I, I, I'm, um, I've got this. It's working. Wait, no, it's not. I'm so exhausted. I'm not like you guys. I'm not cut out for these heroics. And that's when the Beyonder's able to push everything back, and he destroys the universe. The Beyonder says, "You had a chance, and it's unbelievable that you did, but it's over." He doesn't destroy the universe. He shoots a blast that destroys everything in its path, which we later learned that Owen Wilson. Uh, Owen Reese. Owen Wilson. <laughs> hey, is Owen, I can't do an Owen Wilson. <laughs> um, Owen Wilson. Uh, Owen Reese. Jeez, now I'm stuck. <laughs> Owen Owen Reese uh, prevents it from being as bad as it could be. Yeah, it, it looks like this bolt destroys the it. Earth and goes through the solar system. But uh, oh, and and so. While all of this destruction is happening, the Beyonder now puts himself into the machine, into a baby-like form, uh, because he's under the impression that the heroes and everything in his path has been destroyed, so he's safe to do this. However, as you said, Owen Reese has been able to use his molecule powers to save every living being within the path of the destruction and put them in stasis. But if it makes you feel any better, all this has cost me dearly. I'm hurt badly. The heroes are jerks. <laughs> Rachel's like, that's okay, we can take it from here. And now they have a conundrum because the Beyonder is a baby inside of the machine getting ready to be born. And they're split because the heroes are like, we can't kill a baby. Wolverine, so in, in the most out of character uh, thing ever, says, out of my way, I'll do it. Both Wolverine and Owen Reese are like, kill the baby. Duh, it's the Beyonder, kill it. I don't know. In a well-written story, I suppose Wolverine would kill a baby, yeah. but not this. Yeah. Um, and and on this page here, where you have Marsha and Owen holding one another, and Marsha says, "Oi, a baby," and Owen Reese says, "Marsha, this may be our only chance." I'm thinking because I can't remember how the story ends. I'm thinking like, oh, maybe Molecule Man has a way to like suspend the Beyonder's power completely, and they can adopt this baby, and it's their only chance to have a child. But that's not it. Okay, I I didn't get that at all. But I because I I saw the where she says the the I, it's a continuation of the line above where she says where where Owen uh, Reese says let's kill him and she says kill a baby. Well, right, and so maybe that 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 little plea from Marsha convinces Owen because in in that panel he's got like mad face like kill the baby, but in the next panel he's kind of got like concerned like Marsha this may be our only chance. I don't know. You can read it both ways. Obviously, it doesn't go the way that I thought it should, but... <laughs> um, yeah, the, the heroes fight, basically, because they're split uh, about what they're going to do. Um, and then Spider-Man gets a spider sense tingling and everything blows up. Yep. Uh, and then Owen Reese kills the baby. Does he? He does. Wait, I surmise, thanks to Spider-Man's warning, the invisible woman was able to affect an invisible wall of force to protect us, Iron Man. Uh, Sue passes out. And that's when the heroes say, that does it. Let's tear the machine down. And they're still fighting. We can't. And, um... Uh, 
Mr. Fantastic, he grows to giant proportions to keep all of the heroes away from the machine. I think he's worried about maybe all of that energy destroying everything or something, maybe. But Owen Reese then just shoots it, killing the baby. Oh, there's no safe way to interrupt the process. We've got to let the gestation and birth process continue and try to reason with the Neo Beyonder who we move. Urges. Uh, if we destroy the machine, it'll destroy everything everywhere in one blinding white fat flash, which I guess Owen Reese does shoot the machine, and then the, then the universe is destroyed. Yes. Do you realize what has happened? And uh, the, the baby uh, and the power, I don't know, they collide or something. <clears throat> All the heroes die. The Golden Gate Bridge dies. The... <laughs> Uh, Eiffel Tower dies, the moon dies, but then they're all slowly regenerated in kind of a neat black and white sequence of panels. But they're all put back together by Owen Reese. Yeah, the panels are um, somewhat opposite. There's, it's yeah, they're 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 good. They go in one order as things are destroyed, and then they go in the reverse order as things are rebuilt. Yeah, uh, they're all a little confused about why they're there. Um, Silver Server picks up the baby and is like, oh, dead. The baby's dead. Uh-huh. So effectively, Owen Reese killed this baby to stop to, to uh, kill the Beyonder, basically. I'm sorry, I, but I it had to be that way. I guess I don't really think I'll understand, but I'll get over it. I love you, Owen, and I love you. Um, Captain America says, you somehow pre- pre- presented the ultimate end of everything thanks oh, i'd wish there'd been another way and owen reese says well i don't have any powers anymore so uh, there you go uh, does he say he says uh you don't know what it cost me i push myself way too far i'm torn up inside injured no doctor can help me being like me i may never recover but but that's it <laughs> like uh i don't know if he's powerless i don't know if he's gonna die i don't know if this is like an open-ended story for you know the fate of owen reese maybe that happens in avengers 266 oh i got all that information oh okay well then um, apparently after all of that, a portal was opened b- due to everything Owen Reese did and the beyond, which was empty is now filled with the beyonders energy, I guess, and a new planet and life occurs. And so the beyonder, I'm, I'm, I take this as the beyonder, uh, has become a universe unto himself. Yes. Okay. However, that will be retconned sort of. Well, right. So in Avengers 266, I'll make this really brief, uh, the world is still destroying after the Beyonder does, uh, does his thing, but Owen Reese and the heroes are able to bring it back, um, and I think that's when Owen Reese reveals that he has no powers left. Ah, that could be. Um, who, uh, out of curiosity, if you have this information in front of you, who is the writer of uh, Avengers 266? Uh, Roger, let me see, where does it say... I think it's Roger Stern, but it might be on the last page. Um, Silver Surfer works with Owen Reese to stop the planet from destroying. Volcano helps out. Um, okay, so Owen Reese does have his powers. And then he says, if I succeed, the effort may kill me or cripple me or worse, burn out my power. Um, obviously, they save the day. And then Owen Reese says, yep, I don't have powers anymore. But then I guess he made a deal with a silver surfer that he does have his powers, but he just didn't want the Avengers to know. So I vaguely remember this from the time I read it before, but there's essentially two endings to Secret Wars 2. Or is the Earth destroying happening after the pages of Secret Wars 2? Yeah, the, this is the uh, Avengers 2 Six is the continuation on uh, the damage that was done from the uh, 
the Beyonder striking out that one time that Owen Reese supposedly corrected had further ramifications and um and that's what this whole issue deals with is those ramifications that could of course destroy the earth but with the help of Owen Reese and the Silver Surfer they are able to stop it hmm. okay um and then Several years later, in the pages of Fantastic Four, uh, let's see, there's, this is like a four or five parter, but the only part is the last part that matters to us. Uh, the Fantastic Four, who at this point is the thing, the human torch, the lady thing. Alicia Masters. And um, no. Or Sharon uh, Friedlander. Yeah, yeah, her. And then the other, the girl that was... Well, she's no longer a part of the team by this, so we'll forget about her. The girl that married Quicksilver. Oh, uh, Scarlet Witch? No, uh, Luna? No, No, gross. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Crystal. Yes, Crystal. Um, And Doctor Doom, they travel to a universe um, because they are trying to figure out some mystery. And it is is discovered that it is the, the Beyonder has created this universe and he is essentially acting like a god in this universe and watching it uh, populate and they worship him. And Owen Reese shows up and it is revealed that there are many cosmic cubes in the world and eventually the cosmic cubes evolve to be beings. And one of the cosmic cubes got jacked up and evolved into, uh, as it was evolving, it broke and it evolved into uh, the Beyonder. But part of it was Owen Reese. And so Owen Reese and the Beyonder recombine into a cosmic cube. Whoa. So that happens. I don't don't remember that at all. That's like many years later. I mean, the, this this Secret Wars two omnibus just collected like everything. So, so is that actually in the pages of the Avengers, or is that like in a Marvel two and one? That's or? in Fantastic Four number three nineteen. Okay, interesting. It's Doctor Doom. Uh, there's this really convoluted plot about Doctor how the Doctor Doom in Secret Wars one was a Doctor Doom from the future because. Dr. Doom at the time of Secret Wars 1 was dead. Right. So the Beyonder had to drag him from somewhere and he ended up dragging from from the future. But then he needed to recreate that future because he messed up all the timelines. So he ended up depositing him back and that left Dr. Doom very confused about where all that time was and blah, blah, blah. Dr. Doom gets his memories back in the end of this. Yeah, sounds super complicated. It is. Um, Owen Reese leaves uh, Marja. Aw. And she's she's sad, but she says, you always do what's best for everybody. And, and they they merge the Beyonder and Owen Reese merge into a cosmic cube, which, which Dr. Doom then grabs and gets his memory back. And that's it. Wow. Next issue, the new Hulk versus the new thing. Wow. Is that like Gray Hulk or just Big Hulk? Or uh, yeah, Smart it's Hulk. Gray Hulk versus weird Rocky thing. Ah. Like spiky Rocky thing. Well, thank God that's over. Then there's a Quasar issue in the back of this that I don't remember how it connects. It was very loosely connecting. I think there's like leftover residue of the Beyonder's powers form into some sort of bad guy or something. I don't know. A bunch of years ago, there was another series called Beyond in which Spider-Man, Venom, and some other kind of B-grade heroes are taken to what they think is battle world and they think they have to fight. I only got like two issues through it and I was like, this isn't exciting. So I stopped reading it. (laughs) 
There's also a secret war written by Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, is that any good? Um, that has nothing to do with secret wars. Hmm. It's the time that Nick Fury, I think he brainwashes some superheroes to go do some real world terrorist stopping or something like that. And then they find out and they're all really annoyed. And that's when people start hating Nick Fury. Mm. But that doesn't matter because now Nick Fury is, uh, I don't know, he's kind of out of the Marvel Universe ever since the Avengers movie. They they made Nick Fury, isn't it? I think it's Nick Fury's son who looks just like Samuel L. Jackson. Isn't the new Nick Fury? I I don't know. I thought the I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the Marvel yeah. universe. <laughs> Me neither. Um, but I do know that I have the last issue of Dazzler in my hands. Wow, <laughs> it's over. It's all. It's this is the this is the things are coming to an end episode. Yeah. So this is I bought this issue way way back when. It's the only issue of Dazzler I think I own. And uh, I always thought it was kind of humorous because on the cover of it, it says, because you demanded it, the last issue of The Dazzler. And that just doesn't seem like a great selling point because you thought this issue was so terrible, we canceled it. <laughs> well, you know, this series, not not this issue. Well, whatever, but because you demanded it. See, normally, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's a joke, right? Maybe, but I, was, I mean, that tagline should be like, because you demanded it, the dramatic return of so-and-so. But yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe it was the sales were so bad that they're like, look, who cares? <laughs> Just put this had thing you, out. Had you been reading the letters pages? Mm, I had read a little bit of the letters page, and most of them were like, Dazzler's great. But I wasn't reading all the letters pages. And I'm sure Marvel doesn't seem, at this time, at least from what I remember, uh, you know, you only got a page of letters, and they didn't seem to post too many of the negative ones. Okay. Maybe one every now and again. Anyways. Yeah, Beast and OZ Chaser on the cover. This is kind of also a uh, wrap-everything-up convoluted issue because to me it seems like issue 41, um, they were trying to start a whole new storyline for the Dazzler, and then the word came down that Dazzler was canceled. So they just kind of have to wrap everything up as quickly as possible. Um, When we last left Dazzler, she and OZ had killed the guy and i can't dust it was his name they killed dust and dust is the guy that can hop from body to body and he's the guy that killed dazzler's father and so she was going to head over to camp silence to to confront uh dust's wife her name is silence uh because they had kidnapped dazzler's mother and if you remember dazzler's mother was estranged because her fake mother i think she also died dazzler's got like a really messed up family and i (laughs) swear like none of this family stuff is ever brought into the pages of the x-men at least that i recall makes sense so the book opens up with beast he, he's swinging in, he's heard that something's going on with the Dazzler, and uh, it's OZ Chase who has called the Beast because I guess Dazzler and he talked about uh, their one-time romance, and OZ had Beast's number. This comic definitely takes place after X-Factor number one, so if that's important for people to place it. It seems like it must take place somewhere in the first few issues of X-Factor. It takes place... Well, it definitely takes place before the middle part of X-Factor 2. So, okay, I would assume between X-Factor 1 and 2. But anyways, uh, Dazzler's gone missing. Dazzler was going to head up to Camp Silence and nobody's heard of her since. Uh, and we find out immediately that Dazzler has been kidnapped by Silence or trapped by her because Silence has Dazzler's mother. And what the plan is, is that they are going to charge up Dazzler and then use her powers to uh, energize the super-powered people that they created back in the 70s or whatever. 
if you remember that storyline. And apparently it takes multiple doses of Dazzler's power to get this done. And so Silence's crew is like almost powered up, but not quite. So they're still kind of weak. Um, and so what they've been doing is they've been, they've been pushing her as like to the brink of death and then like letting her relax to, to re-energize so that they can do it again with the intent that on the final dose, they're going to let her star Brian, uh, 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 shine and shine bright until she's dead. Um, oh my! Yeah, you know I read this issue and it, I had no idea what was going on. It's it was kind of it's a very wordy and it if you didn't read the last issue it's, it's it is pretty hard to follow. I can't imagine if you actually picked this issue up and you were like reading through it as a kid you just sort of been like what what <laughs> I had no idea uh, what was going on when I purchased this issue. Um. I just knew that Dazzler was on the X-Men and I was curious about what she was doing before she was on the X-Men. And I read this and I was like, I still don't know what she was doing before the X-Men. <laughs> Ozzy, Cerebus, and uh, Beast fight a bunch of kind of flunky superpower people. Uh, Silence is threatening Dazzler with her mom's life. There's another uh, superpower person here that's kind of keeping Dazzler in line. Um, Silence is super mad that Dazzler killed Dust. Um, her husband, and so they string her back up on the stage to let her let out her uh, light power to energize these these people, her followers, or whatever. They're soaking it all up, and there's one dude in the audience who's also getting radiated. Who's like, he's got like a crush on her uh, for some reason. Uh, he's been following the story of the Dazzler ever since she revealed that she was a mutant. And this guy, he's got an interesting ability where people just don't notice him. And at first he thought it was just him, but then he deduced that it was like a superpower, that he could just kind of go around undetected, and uh, he, he plays an integral role. Um, Dazzler becomes exhausted again, so they, they take her off. Um, OZ, Cerebus, and Beast head off to the city to try to find Dazzler. Um, this dude is able to sneak around the stage that they're at because, like I said, he goes unnoticed. Um... Let's see. Silence threatens uh, Dazzler's mother. Dazzler uses her powers on her mother for some reason. I don't remember why, but not enough to hurt her. I don't remember why. She's trying to rebel. Um, OZ comes in blasting, and this is kind of where the final showdown occurs. Um, Dazzler does something that she's never done before, and she probably never will do again. She's taken in a bunch of sound, and instead of expelling it out as light, she expels it out as sound. And even says here, uh, it becomes a focal point to do what she had never done before, might never have the terrible need and desperation to do again. <laughs> So, I don't know. <laughs> she, and as she does this, for whatever reason, this reverses the anti-aging thing that Silence has be, uh, been doing. Because apparently she's like over 100 years old. Uh, her and Dust had been around forever. Uh, and so she immediately turns into an old lady. She collapses. She dies. Uh, one of the, the uh, flunky guys uh, grabs Dazzler's mother and is threatening to kill her mother when it's revealed that she is actually Dust. So in the commotion of last issue, Dust didn't die. Dust swapped bodies with somebody else, and that person died. This person is Dust, and this person is about to jump into Dazzler's mom's body. Whoa. Right? Where's Beast? Uh, I don't know yet. He's coming. 
Uh, Dazzler leaps to her mom's rescue. She's getting ready to fight uh, this uh, Dust, who's this this woman super person. And she's like, oh, I didn't even consider this third option. You'd attack me and I could transfer my body into you and have all of your powers. This is awesome. And that's when Beast jumps in and he's getting ready to help out when the guy from earlier who's integral to the plot shoots Dazzler and Dazzler's dead and it's what? really sad like oh Aziz there he's like oh my god and Beast is like oh my god and this guy he's like super smug because at the beginning of the issue he's kind of retelling the story to the police and so now the police are like I, I don't even know, know what's going on but it turns out Adam that this dude's power was intensified by Allison's rays that he could kind of like project onto other people what he wanted them to see. So no longer would he be like hidden by his own power. He could like hide Dazzler and hide Dust to make them kind of swap positions. So he shot Dust, not Dazzler. Wow. Yeah. What? <laughs> I know, right? I'm so confused. Yeah. So they all are like, thanks. And they thank the guy and they're like, but you have to go back to jail because you killed somebody. You killed Dazzler. I guess, I guess, I think the world thinks Dazzler's dead right now. And uh, he's like, ah, don't worry about it. I've spent a lot of time in prison and by, people don't even notice me. I can come and go as I please. So don't worry about me. All's well that ends well. I'm going to go. Oh, yeah, that's right. They actually meet him because he walks out of prison. Yeah. He's in prison. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about that. And so she kind of says goodbye to OZ, and she's walking away with Beast, and Beast is like, hey, what do you think about X-Factor? So I think he's extending an invite to her to join X-Factor. And she says, hmm. <laughs> and that's the end of Dazzler. Does she join X-Factor? I don't know, Adam. We'll have to see. <laughs> okay. We also read Vision and Scarlet Witch number six, which, to briefly summarize, there's not much to say about this issue. It's super cartoony and poorly written. Uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision, who are they're married now, right? I can't remember. Scarlet Witch is pregnant. So, yeah, I think they're married. They're married, yeah. Um, they have a Thanksgiving dinner with a bunch of superheroes, and they also invite Magneto, who... Comes to the door and says, good evening, everybody. Men call me Magneto. Which is kind of a dick move. <laughs> and all the Avengers are like, what? Why is he here? Yeah. Did he just really say that? Is <laughs> what some, some of the people in the audience are like, seriously, that's how you're going to enter? That's how you say hi. Men okay. call me Magneto. <laughs> yeah. And so everybody has to kind of get over their little hang-ups about Magneto being a supervillain and trying to take over the world. And Scarlet Witch is like, I don't want to deal... Well, she's the one that invited him, right? So it's it's yeah. Quicksilver who's like, I don't know why you did this. You didn't you didn't you didn't run this by me, and I'm really mad. Uh yeah. So there's 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 an interesting moment where the uh, Cap and Namor and Vision talk about how they're the same heroes from the 1940s, sort of. Yep. Which I don't know. Maybe that'll come to play later in this series. Well, Captain America, Submariner, and the Human Torch, who became Vision, who is now in the body of Wonder Man, right? Oh, right. No, yeah. he's got the mind of Wonder Man. Well, whatever doesn't matter. Not, yeah, one of them Wonder Man, and he's got the body of the Human Torch, but he's not the Human Torch, right? And that's what he says. He's like, "Well, that's an interesting idea, but I, for all intents and purposes, am not the Human Torch." Everybody has uh, problems with Magneto. Yeah. Nobody's happy that Magneto's here. Even Doctor Strange. He nearly destroyed the Defenders. Remember that? That's no. when he turned into a baby. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. 
Yep. Um, so he he hangs out. He has a little bit of dinner. Everybody's kind of bristling at him. Um, Namor thinks, Magneto tricked me into attacking the X-Men, then threw, threw some machine at me with his magnetic powers. That was like X-Men number six or something. I believe it was X-Men number nine. I think it was nine. That could I mean, be wrong. Nine? I'm going to say that nine was the Kazar issue. I thought ten was the Kazar issue. Could be right. <laughs> Anyways, yes. That was a long, long, long time ago. Um, yeah. So Magneto and Scarlet Witch, I don't know, have have it out. She can't really forgive him. Wanda, I've, I've been a bad father to you. I, I am like, I am the first to admit it, but like your husband, I came to humanity late. I swore eternal vengeance on those who destroy the different. I struck on behalf of all mutants. I was ideal, pure Magneto. <laughs> but I can't give my acceptance. I remember how you treated us non-persons. It was exactly the way you were treated. You were a real jerk to us. Yeah. And so some people are, I guess, getting ready to go. And Magneto's like, well, I'm out of here. So he grabs his jacket and he flies away. He storms out. He does. He doesn't say goodbye to anybody. And they all start talking about him after he leaves. And why would you? Then he realizes that they're the brother, the old brotherhood of evil mutants are about to attack. So he goes and grabs Vision and Quicksilver to stop them. And of course, the brotherhood of evil mutants minus Scarlet Witch is uh, Magneto, Quicksilver, Mastermind and Toad. Yes. So there are two Quicksilvers and two Magnetos. Yes. And they fight and they're confused and it's very exciting. This was, uh, I thought this was kind of a fun part of the issue. This was, this was the best part of the issue for me. Oh, definitely. But I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of fighting or whatever. It's some, some quirkiness going on when it's finally really, unless there's something you want to talk about with the fight. Nope. But it's revealed that the Toad still has access now i take issue with this but he still has access to some of the strangers gear but i thought he had joined the silly six or the tremendous trio with frogman and yeah i'm wondering if that ever ever gets talked about ever ever again (laughs) i don't think so so anyways apparently he's got access to the strangers gear and he has learned how to use them really well to create uh well, s- synthetics. Yeah, synthetic, synthetic people. That which, frankly, could mean anything. Yeah, uh, and so you know, Magneto's about to deal with the Toad. I mean, the Toad's. It's kind of like them saying he's mastered nanotechnology. Yes, means nothing, but it sounds impressive. <laughs> toad holds a grudge against Magneto for also being treated like a non-person. Um, same kind of gripes as uh, Scarlet Witch had. Oh, and he also like couldn't handle it that Scarlet Witch was dating a robot, got married to a robot, and then was extremely upset when he found out that she was pregnant with a robot's baby. So I guess that's what prompted this attack. I never expected she would do that with him. <laughs> and, you know, they're about to capture him, but he uses his stranger technology to be sucked up into a spaceship. He grabs his uh, his Brotherhood of Evil Mutant synthetics into the, uh, the, I don't know, teleportation device with him. But it turns out that at some point during the fight, Quicksilver switched with his synthesoid self and knocks Toad out. Do you remember Synthoids from G.I. Joe? No. Oh, man, this is a really good uh, two-part uh, episode where shipwreck is he wakes up in springfield it's a cartoon he wakes up in springfield and he's married he's got a kid 
He single-handedly defeated Cobra. He even unmasked Cobra Commander. But everywhere he goes, people are like melting and he's just having like this nervous breakdown. And he's trying to get it's a like, hold. Uh, it's like a, a nice little town like Springfield or something, right? Um, well, this was the cartoon, but wasn't that the name of one of the comics too? I feel like, yes, it was both. Were, the, were there synthoids maybe in the maybe comic? Maybe I'm getting things mixed up. But yeah, I do remember this episode. That's the one where Snake Eyes dances with Timber, right? Oh, <laughs> maybe. I don't remember. All I remember is I liked Shipwreck a lot, and it was all about Shipwreck. And then people were melting for seemingly no reason. And it turned out that Shipwreck was the only one that knew, like, the Joe's code or something. So Cobra had captured him and done this elaborate plot to to try to get him to reveal this information so that Cobra could use it against the Joes. I feel like it's a very similar plot to the comic book story, a nice little Tom like Springfield. And that's why I'm getting them confused. But um, maybe maybe it did take place in Springfield. I don't know. Yeah. Was there a Springfield in the cartoon? No idea. I think just that particular episode or two-parter took place in a place called Springfield. I'm going to say it did because why not? Sure. So you know what I've been watching, rewatching lately, just kind of putting on in the background. Thundercats. Actually, not rewatching because I never watched it. Silverhawks. Close, but far away. Oh, what? Uh, She-Ra. Really? She-Ra. Um, yeah. Are you familiar with uh, J. Michael Straczynski, the writer of uh, Rising Stars and Spider-Man for a while? Yeah, yeah. And Babylon Five. I'm familiar with him. I never watched Babylon Five, but. I'm familiar with his name in the pages of Spider-Man. He wrote episodes of She-Ra. Oh. And they're, they're I don't know, I, there's something about, like, Skeletor shows up, and it's got Hordak, and it's terrible, but it's, every every episode, there's, like, one really stupid thing that makes me laugh. So, is it good? No. I mean, I don't really watch it. I kind of just put it on in the background. Okay. And then, it's 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 just weird. It's really weird. But I like weird in a good way. I mean, I used to watch Shiro when I was a kid, right? Because it came on right after He-Man. I never watched it. I'm, I'm completely not from. Like, I didn't know anything about. I was so surprised that He-Man's in like half of the episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I watched the movie. Man, I went to the theater and watched that movie, the cartoon movie, not the Dolph Lundgren movie. I saw that many years later. I saw the Dolph Lundgren movie in the theater. <laughs> yeah, no, the the cartoon movie in the theater was was awesome. I mean, my memory says it was awesome. But that's where you got to meet Shira. Never seen it. It's the origin of Princess Adora. And it's weird how the uh, the the intros are exactly the same, except for they change up some words. Y- yes. Well, you know, <laughs> why be creative when you don't have to be? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Magneto. Well, Quicksilver's like, oh, you've 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 uh, you reformed my eyes. Let's go tell Wanda. And he's like, no, Wanda must never know about this. She must. I must earn her respect uh, in my own way. If we come to her with this story, she'll think that I did this to earn her respect. So let's just keep this between us, my two sons, the Vision and Quicksilver. Which I think the idea is I don't want to do something super heroic. I want to earn her respect through normal stuff. Yeah, that's that's cool. Which is good. Yeah. And so they end on a little joke. Where were you boys? Or something. After all, you never know what'll happen next around here. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> you never do. Because <laughs> Quicksilver, he's fast. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Scarlet Witch and the Vision number six. Did you read New Mutants number 38? I did. This was a rough one. Well, I mean, not a lot happens in it, but the, the it, it it's a really cool opening where the New Mutants are back because last issue they died. 
Well, hang on. I think what's really interesting, uh, not even story-wise, is this is penciled by Rick Leonardi, who we've talked about not really liking his artwork, but it's inked by Bill Sinkovich. So it's like you can see his, you can see both of their styles, and it's really weird. It's a really weird <laughs> mashup of like not good versus, you know, uh, good. Are you going to be able to, to, to deal with it? I don't know. Do I mean, you like it or do you not like it? it it's weird because <laughs> it's usually uh, Rick Leonardi is inked by a terrible inker, but he's inked by a really good inker. So what probably was bad drawings um, turn out to be pretty good where they can be. There's some there's some pretty bad drawings in here, too, that Bill was probably like, I, I don't even know what to do. Like, how did I get how did I get paired with this guy? See, I don't know. I, I still say that Rick Leonardi is, he's just, he's kind of one of those guys who's been around forever. And I feel like nowadays he's decent. He probably is. I mean, did he? But, but, yeah, but yeah, like like I think I said before, when he would come around, it was like, oh, this must be a filler issue. Was Did he go on to Image and did he have his own book? I don't think so. But maybe. Okay. it's. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Eric Larson was another one of those guys for me. I was like, oh, it's an Eric Larson issue. But he, you know, he's gone on to have a very good career well he was i think he was a he was like a good artist but he he followed up like he had the unlucky yeah like following up of todd mcfarlane like six times in a row yeah that probably was just like oh this is this is good it's not great though you're expecting todd mcfarlane and you're getting eric larson but i i feel like eric larson is very similar to art adams actually i would like to maybe one of these days I'll grab those Spider-Mans out and kind of reread them. Cause I don't think I really gave him much of a chance. Cause I was like, Oh, Rick Leonardi. Or, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Eric Larson, but he's got hundreds of, well, a couple hundred of issues of Savage Dragon. I, it's still going. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you know anything about it? It's, it's kind of interesting how he like reinvents it every, well, at least he reinvented it once. I looked up an issue guide once and it looked like there was a year that went by between two issues, like of real time, like, it, one came out in 2006 and the next issue came out in 2007. Oh, really? <laughs> and then there was like five more issues. Like, I don't know much about it, but it, based on what I was looking at, to me, it looked like he just kind of released an issue whenever he had an idea. Well, good for him. Which, if that's the case and he can do that, great. And I think, wasn't he like vice president of Image or he had some high role in Image for Yeah, a I think while. he was one of the, one of the big ones. So, anyways, I, I'm not putting down anybody. These people have... Uh, succeeded far more than I have, even <laughs> Rick Leonardi. So, anyways, yes, I can handle it. So they're they're battling. It, I guess it would seem that they're battling in the danger room because Magneto is also there, leading them. And it's you know your typical battle scene. They do stuff, and then at the end of it, Magneto says it's time for bed, and they all go to graves and bury themselves. And you know it's it's neat. It's a very interesting opening. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's dreams. They're dreaming. Everybody's dreaming. Even Magneto, I think, is having bad dreams. Yeah, they're all having the same dream, which is kind of weird that Magneto's having it. It makes sense that all the new mutants who just died and came back but also the, the same dream. Also, the new mutants are, are just kind of um, lethargic. They they can talk, They but they are just kind of zombie-like. They're, like, depressed. That's a better way to put it. Um, and, and it is revealed. Eventually, Danny snaps out of it, and she kind of reveals that they're they're living in this world where they 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 know that they were killed by the beyonder they know that they were brought back because he was randomly decided to could it happen again what does life mean you know they're just kind of everything's all messed up yeah like 
when they, when they live in a world where this sort of thing can happen, they're just kind of they're kind of dead inside. Yes, um, Magneto is trying to figure out what's going on. You know, he's the he's their their teacher. Um, he the new mutants aren't pushing themselves as far as he know they can, and it's kind of bumming him out. And that's when he's confronted by Emma Frost. And she's like, you have something to do with this, don't you? And she's like, no, but the students can come to my Massachusetts Academy and then you can just give up. Yeah, I mean, she's like, I'm a telepath. I can probably help with their brains better than you can, Nana and Boo. Yeah, and he's like, no, get out. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm out. So Danny, uh, this is Danny, Danny kind of comes out of it when Thor, who currently in Thor is a frog, oh, visits her mm-hmm. and um, snaps her out of it. She can't snap anybody else out of it, though. Um, they're at a party. Like, Magneto takes them to a party, and they're all just kind of, like, hanging out. And all the other kids are like, who are they? Why are they so boring? And Magneto's like, damn it, play! Why won't you play? Uh, he apparently has a pseudonym that Charles created named Michael Xavier, uh, Charles's brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Doug Ramsey's parents, I think, are here, and they're like, our son is, is despondent and depressed and it seems to coincide with you taking over yeah so they're they're t- thinking about taking him out of the uh classes because he's just become despondent mm-hmm. um the the two indian folks that didn't used to be indians from the from the the, the what is it dream bear saga or whatever it is yeah um they get manipulated by empath who shows up who's still seeking revenge on emma frost um not sure what his part in this is, but who are these? Is it Thunderbird and Karma? No, no. Remember, remember in the Death Bear thing? I, vaguely, there was that janitor and that nurse. No, he wasn't a janitor. He was, uh, he was a cop. Oh yeah, and they got turned into Indian people. That's weird. And so they've been these uh, Indians for the the duration of that. Indians from India or Native Americans from America? Native Americans. Okay. Thank you for your sensitivity. (laughs) (laughs) Empath makes these two people fall madly in love, and all they can do is think about each other. Uh, And so they just start making out in the middle of the snow. They don't care that it's cold. Um, And then Magneto is like, why don't you guys go with Emma? I can't help you. Yeah, I, I, I can't. But I, I feel like Empath might be manipulating Magneto. I can't really tell, though. I don't know if he's manipulating Magneto or... Yeah, I don't know. But Magneto's given up. Yeah, at any rate, the New Mutants are now members of the uh, the Hellions, I and guess. There's like a deal here that, that she won't submit them to the Hellfire Club. She's just going to teach them. And, and all this is on the up and up. So they say. Yep. So we'll find out next issue. Um, X-Factor number two. That also happened. What's going on in X-Factor? Oh, man, it's a good issue. It's a good issue. It's it's well drawn. It's got some depth in it. Uh, but Jean's dreaming about the whole thing that happened when she crashed into Jamaica Bay and the whole Phoenix thing. It's kind of a rehash of what happened in... In episode one, Angel is confronting Scott being like, you got to tell her about Maddie. And Scott's like, you don't understand. I don't even know what's going on. He's really just making excuses. Like, he just won't be an adult about this situation. And Angel knows it. And Angel's like, look, you do you, but I got to deal with some X-Factor stuff. So I'm going to go do that. Apparently, they're all living at X-Factor headquarters, but... Uh, Iceman and Beast, they they want they don't want to live where they work. They want to get an apartment. And part of their apartment searching has led them to one uh, uh, 
glasses-wearing librarian named Vera. Do you remember her? I do. Well, apparently, she went and took some college courses, met some people, became super liberal, shaved half her head, and took her glasses off. Now, are Beast and her still dating? Because the, in the last epi- in the last issue of Defenders that she was in, they sort of broke up. I think they're kind of reconnecting. I don't think they're dating here. They're kind of happy to see each other. Um, if you're only a reader of X-Men and X-Factor and you've never read a Defenders, there's no way to know that they broke up. You would okay. just, you, me, I guess, I just assumed that uh, they, they disconnected and now they're reconnecting. So, anyways, yeah, so she's, she's super liberal and 80s punk. Does he tell her about Dazzler? No. <laughs> Dazzler is not mentioned at all in this issue. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cyclops and Jean are training Rusty. Rusty gets frustrated, just, you know, kind of like the early days of the X-Men. Um, Jean's like, Scott, we got to talk. And, and Scott's like, I, I got to go. And so he walks away. Um this dude named Tower, who's got the ability to shrink and grow super big, he attacks Beast, Iceman, and Vera with the sole purpose of snagging Beast for some reason, which he is able to successfully do. Um, Tower throws him into a car with a very familiar-looking bald man who's got, like, a little Fu Manchu, <laughs> but we don't know who it is yet. Uh, is it Professor X? No, I don't think Professor X ever had a Fu. Scott calls Madeline... Uh, only to find out that the number's been disconnected and there's no forwarding number. And he's like, oh my God, she's gone. She left. My mutant powers, they keep me from living a life. I hate it. <laughs> he doesn't say my deadly eyes, but he gets close. And before he can do too much damage, uh, the X-Factors are called into action because I guess they learn about Beast being attacked. They tog up, head out, get the statements from Vera and Iceman. And we eventually find out that the man who has paid this guy named Tower to capture Beast is none other than Carl Maddox. Do you remember him, Adam? From, uh, wasn't it Maddox Industries or something? No, the Brand Corporation. He was a fellow physicist or something uh, working with the Beast and actually partially responsible for Beast's transformation. Really? Yes. Man, I don't remember. I mean, I, I, I remember the six-issue Beast limited series, but I can barely remember what happened to it. I'll have to go back into the Danger Room archives and re-listen to that episode. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, yeah. So, we he we, last we saw him, he was dead. So, Beast is like, what are you doing here? And he just, he's very vague. He's like, the reports of my death have been over-exaggerated. And so... Did, did he die in the limited series? He did. He, he oh. was shot by the Secret Empire. Remember the oh, wow. Secret Empire? And he was thrown into a ditch that happened in the limited series oh, that happened in um amazing that happened in something else well it was amazing tales featuring the beast or whatever that was called amazing adventures yeah it's amazing adventures yeah all that that was okay. like the origin of the secret empire and uh carl maddox was a pawn not carl carl yeah carl maddox Carl Maddox has a plan here uh, to call X-Factor and sick X-Factor on tower so that he can cover up all traces of this kidnapping. X-Factor figures out that this is a trap, but they're going to go fall for it. Anyways, Carl wants Beast to go through the papers uh, that, that Carl has drafted for some, some mutant experiment. And Beast's like, no, I'm not going to do it. So Beast leaves those notes, or Carl leaves those notes in Beast's cell. And uh, then we get to meet... Um, Carl's son, Arthur Maddox, 
who is Herdy. yep, little Artie Maddox. He's got a very big head, very big eyes, pink skin. Um, he's definitely a mutant in power and physique. Um, and he has the ability to essentially read. And I feel like this gets changed through the evolution of Artie's powers, but he has the ability to kind of psychically read what, um, another person is saying and then represent it in pictures not necessarily words but pictures so as beast is looking at these notes going oh this is all wrong and he forgot to carry the one and this sequence needs to go over here Artie is projecting that for his father carl and he's like oh my gosh i forgot about that and he's so smart and now i have all the information you know, I got to say, one of my favorite X-Factor moments is when Artie meets Leech. Yeah. That's coming up, right? Yeah, it's coming up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tower and X-Factor fight. It's not that interesting. Um, and Carl ties down Beast, thanks him for the notes. And Beast's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't give you any notes. And uh, Carl's like, well, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to regress you from homo superior to a normal human being. That's That's my goal here. And uh, he gives Beast the shot. X-Factor and Tower now figure out that they've been double-crossed by Carl Maddox. And Tower's like, look, you ain't cops. I got double-crossed. I know where Carl is. I'll tell you where he is. But we got to make a deal. And then the issue ends with Beast going into cardiac arrest. And uh, Carl being like, no, you can't die. And he's giving him CPR. He's like, you got to live for my son. But we don't know why. So, uh, well... Presumably because he wants to use his mutant reduction drug on his son to turn his son normal. Spoilers. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. I didn't have to read the next issue to figure that out. But that's that's one of the reasons I like this particular issue, because it's not spelled out. In fact, there's no flashback to the brand corporation to Carl Maddox. It's just like, hey, I know you and you died. And Carl's like, no, I didn't. Here's my son. Yeah, that's too much information for like johnny on the spot reader to deal with but i feel like a more novice writer would have like like done this whole thing like flashback or probably uh but this doesn't really spoon feed you uh spoilers x factor number three you get all that information but i like that you've just been given a story here is interesting and then we're gonna fill in the pieces that you missed in the next issue that's why the first like i, I can't say it enough the first 30-some issues of X-Factor are really well done. done. All right. You're definitely right. Uh, Dazzler, the last ep- issue of Dazzler has to take place before issue two. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere between one and two. And that brings us to probably the meatiest version or, or portion of our episode here, Alpha Flight number 33. Yeah, who would have thought that, right? Uh, not me. I've never read this issue before. You know, I used to have... Uh, and it's kind of a spoiler. Well, okay. The the cover is in this issue, Uncanny X Men. It features the X Men standing before uh, Guardian, who is uh, now Heather Hudson. She in last issue she took on the mantle of uh, Guardian, and it was revealed that um, she's going somewhere else to get help. Yeah, Alpha Flight won't help her like develop her abilities, and yeah, she wants help from Puck. Actually, that might be in this issue, but I can't remember. And Puck's in love with her, but none of this matters, right? Uh, and then kind of ghostly in the background are Alpha Flight. So it's clear that the, uh, oh, and at, uh, it looks like the X-Men just killed her. Does yeah. it? Oh, in the cover, yes. Yeah, on the cover, yeah. This issue is written by Bill Mantlow, um, which I kind of want to talk about at the end, but whatever. Some So some Alpha Flight stuff happens, which, frankly, I don't care about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mainly the thing that 
we need to know is what I just said, which is that Heather Hudson is seeking out somebody to help her. Um, somebody in specific or anybody who will help her? Cause, no, no, somebody specific. Puck oh. knows who it is, but he hasn't revealed who it is yet. Oh. Uh, she, first, she went to Puck to get help to um, because she wants to she wants to be an, uh, a member of the team who's actually uh, helpful. Because like three issues in a row, she's been the weak link of Alpha Flight, and they, you know, uh, they keep, especially the 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 douchey um, uh, North Star keeps picking on her for it. Uh, so she, now she's got the Guardian outfit, which technically is not a Guardian outfit; it's actually an alien life form oh. or something like that. It's weird. Um, so she's wearing this person. <laughs> As a guardian suit. And uh, so she goes to Puck for help. Help uh, Puck refuses. So she goes to the other, per- the only other person on Earth who could help her, uh, which turns out to be Wolverine. So she flies over and the X-Men spot her and they're like, we're under attack. Yeah, they just see her um, flying at them and Wolverine's like, no, don't do nothing. And Magneto shoots her out of the sky. She's a friend, says Wolverine. And uh, Wolverine goes to attack Magneto. And Magneto's like, what are you doing? (laughs) I'm the one that's supposed to leap before I look. And Storm says, well, Magneto should not have acted at all, save upon my orders. Although he tutors the new mutants, I am still the leader of the X-Men. And Magneto says, well, I I just gave the new mutants away. So, (laughs) No, he doesn't say that. So this issue (laughs) must take place before that. Yeah, you know, everything bleeds together. Whatever, doesn't matter. Because it's, maybe, I don't know. Because the X-Men are back from San Francisco. Yep. Because Nightcrawler's here. Oh. So this might actually take place after the next issue of X-Men. Who knows? Yeah, it could. It It probably does. It probably does. But that's okay. Yeah. Because it's a two-parter, and we're not going to do the second part until after the next issue of X-Men anyway. So it all works out. Yeah. Uh, Heather Hudson's falling out of the sky. Nightcrawler teleports up there. Yes, we see him. And he is going to teleport her down to the ground, but apparently the suit fights back. Yeah, he... Let's see. However, vertical teleportation, always difficult at the best of times, is made quite painful when electromagnetic battle suit refuses to be displaced. So he can't teleport her suit. Right. And so he he is able to he he gives up, teleports himself back to the ground. He's wounded. Uh, Rogue flies up there and uh, flies her back down to the ground. Wolverine still has his claws popped out. He's like, and her over, Rogue. Damn, boy, y'all want her. Y'all can have her. That's right. She's mine. Any arguments? The rest of the X-Men are like, well, okay. It's cool. <laughs> what? <laughs> I recognize her. Or, I recognize her. That's Heather Hudson, Alpha Flight's leader. But why the Guardian costume, says Colossus. <laughs> I am very adept in Alpha Flight files. <laughs> <laughs> why did she attack us? Rachel says, she didn't attack you or us. I told you I sensed confusion. She came seeking help. She's new to this game. Didn't understand that diving in mutants around nightfall ain't the way to get it. Dang it. You were a member of James McDonald Hudson's Department H long before you were an X-Men Wolverine. If past loyalties remain to be resolved, then resolve them with our blessing. Come, X-Men. I believe the opera is being simulcast. Wolverine drives away and the rest of the X-Men are like, I don't want to watch the opera. And then we get introduced to a boat who has a passenger named Lady Deathstrike. Yes, first appearance of Lady Deathstrike. Now, so Lady Deathstrike, we've never seen her before? No, this is this is the very first appearance. 
Man. She's, right now, she's just the samurai. She, she's not the Lady Deathstrike that we will know in no. a few issues. So, I mean, I won't spoil anything. Not that, I mean, anybody who's familiar with this knows what, what's coming. But my first introduction to Lady Deathstrike was X-Men 205. And I assumed that that whole sequence was like Mariko or Yukio. I don't remember which. Going through Yeah, I, I, as I recall, we had that conversation yeah. on the show. <laughs> so th- this is mind-blowing to me that, that she just shows up. She's like an assassin for hire or something. Uh, she, well, I don't know if it's revealed in this issue, but... She says uh, her her motivation is that the the well we don't know what her, let's leave, let's leave it at that yeah we, we don't know what her motivation is I don't yeah. so let's leave it open I I can't okay. wait to find out do we we don't find out this issue do we uh, maybe we don't I, I I get them confused because okay. I am familiar with the the next issue of Alpha Flight Two the reason you know when I had this um when I was a kid I had this uh, four part uh, the saga of Wolverine mm. thing and it was all. Uh, panels from various issues organized in a chronological order and it didn't tell you what any of the issues were Hmm. but it had a lot of these alpha flight panels so i was very familiar with this and stuff that's happening and it and it was like uh it was a text describing what was going on and then just panels interspersed Hmm. i wish i still had it it was really cool i think i actually gave it to somebody who was was a a little kid who asked me like what do you tell me about wolverine and i was like here you go (laughs) this has everything you need to know I need that back. And then you never saw him again. <laughs> so Heather and Wolverine kind of reconnect. Heather's given him the sob story about she's the leader. James is gone. She wants to be a fighting member. She touches Wolverine's shoulder and says, teach me. And Wolverine, I think he's hesitant to do it. Babe, you're nuts. <laughs> she jumps out of the car. And she's like, oh, nobody understands. Leave me alone. I think you'd be different from the rest of them. I never said I wouldn't help you, beautiful. I just said you were nuts. So join the club, because I'm nuts. As far as the suit goes, seems like you're doing okay. As far as the rest, I'd swore I'd help you anywhere, anytime. No questions asked. Just like you helped me a long, long time ago. Enter flashback. No way. So I'm reading this issue, and I read the first boring Alpha Flight stuff that I don't care about. And then I get to the X-Men stuff, and I'm like, okay, this is just kind of cliche. Somebody's flying over the X-Men, so the X-Men are going to misinterpret this. And then I get to this page, and I'm like, no way. Really? Not yeah. expecting this at all. We get Wolverine origin. like Essentially. <laughs> like, this is the first kind of, like, well, yeah, meaningful origin. So at some point, Marvel Comics Presents will do the whole Wolverine Weapon X thing, right? Right. Now, I believe the end of that was set up to be the beginning what happened, we, is where this picks up. I, yeah. I mean, I've read that, that you're talking about and this definitely seems to take place after that ends. So Wolverine is, uh, well, okay, James and Heather Hudson are uh, hiking through the snow-covered mountains of Canada. Um, and a naked, well, almost naked Wolverine, very uh, feral, feral, is uh, running through the uh, woods and attacks them. And they shoot him. Uh, both first James shoots him, and then he Wolverine tackles James. And so Heather grabs the gun and she shoots him in the back of the looks like back of the neck, back of the head, something like that. He says that his last meal was a rabbit that he strangled, and James and Heather looked like a three-course meal. So Wolverine (laughs) was starving, and he saw these people, and he's like, I'm going to eat them. (laughs) But he's he's bloodlust feral. He's not, he's not, he's an animal at this point. Yeah. 
Heather thinks she, they don't even know what it is. Like, I guess he's moving so fast that they think it's like some wild animal. And uh, that's when James walks over and he's like, oh my God, it's a man, but you did the right thing. He would have killed us if we wouldn't have killed him. And Heather's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did it. This is our honeymoon. This is supposed to be a happy day. (laughs) James noticed that the blood has already stopped flowing from his wounds. So... I know that, my darling, and yet we can't just leave our wild man now. So they bring him to their lodge, and he already has his connections with Department H, so he's calling it in to to let him know that some crazy guy is in the woods and he's maybe got some abilities because the blood stopped flowing. Yeah, they they think that he'll still die, though, if he's left out in the the woods, obviously. So they're going to – James wants to get a chopper up there, but they don't – he can't – for some reason, he can't, he can't contact Department H because he gets static. So he has to go skiing out to somewhere where he can actually reach them so he can bring a chopper back. And he leaves his brand new wife alone with the feral monster that almost killed them. But, I mean, he is chained to the bed, so. Yep. And uh, he she cares for him because uh, she's, she's got nothing else to do. She's making soup, it looks like. She's... Giving him medicine, it looks like. She's tucking him in, it looks like. Um, and she, she opens could, up the door to check on the weather, and it's it's just a snowstorm. And there's there's she's worried that James is lost in the blizzard. And that's when Wolverine's claws don't quite come out all the way because they only go snick. <laughs> <laughs> there's no T at the end. Uh, and that inadvertently cuts the straps that are holding him down. So yep. she starts talking to him and she's like, oh, you're awake. She gets all mad at him. Like, it's your fault. If it wasn't for you, James would be here. I'm a zookeeper. What are you? But his, as his ropes are broken, he reaches up for her and his claws pop out. And he looks like he's about to attack her. But then he, he sees the claws and he also is freaked out by them. This is apparently, uh, according to the caption, this is the first time He's ever seen his claws. Yeah, he rolls out of bed. He sees his claws. He's got a shocked look on his face. In between the panels, you get a long, no! And then his other hand pops out claws, and he's just laying on the ground with his claws out but hiding his face. And Heather's like, oh, all right, are you okay? Looks like those claws are new to you. Did somebody do this to you? Oh, you poor, poor man. Cut back to the present, Wolverine says, you held me like that all through the long night when you were supposed to be holding Jimmy. By the time Jimmy got back, you pulled me through. Yep, you told me you'd been wounded before, Logan. Sure, in the war, with the Devil's Brigade. And later when I went freelance, I always healed fast. Thought it was some gift I had. Didn't learn for a while that I was a mutant. But nobody ever hurt me like whoever it was that turned me inside out, laced my bones with unbreakable adamantium, and had the cute idea, oh, giving me claws for letting me loose. If they let me loose. It's all blank. To this day, I don't know who changed me or why or how I got away, but I did, and you found me. So this is like a major, like we're learning all sorts of stuff about mm-hmm. Wolverine. We, the Devil's Brigade, uh, he was freelance for a while, and then he got kidnapped, and somebody laced his bones with adamantium, which we already knew, but now he says he doesn't remember anything about it, and did they did they let him loose, or he doesn't even know? Yeah. Uh yeah, and Jimmy, he was trying to find out, but he couldn't find out any information. And uh, I guess it's maybe revealed that uh, Wolverine left Department H because he couldn't have Heather because he was in love with Heather. Yep, yep, that's uh, another another redhead. 
Yeah, he does have a thing for redheads. Uh, and Wolverine's like, no, nah, Jimmy was my brother. He was like a brother to me. And the way you treated me, I had to leave. Couldn't come in between that. Joined the Canadian Secret Service, then the X-Men, trying to put some distance between him and Heather. Wanted to protect her. I thought he was a member of Department H when he joined the X-Men. I, so was he like a Canadian Secret Service branch of Department H or something? You know, it's kind of a retcon. Bill Manlow didn't really read all those, so he's like, eh, it's close enough. Um, yeah. It's better than hanging around waiting for go time. And I, I do. <laughs> he was he was bored. And then didn't Department H try to recollect him? Yeah, they sent first they sent James after him, yeah. then they sent Alpha Flight after him. And that's where we learn all about Alpha Flight. Yeah. Hmm. Which spawned Alpha Flight, which in turn is now writing some of Wolverine's origins. So Wolverine puts out his cigar, he starts taking his, his clothes off, revealing that he has got his costume on, and he's talking to her like all about power and stuff, pulls his cowl on, and says, you want some training? Well, you're about to get some training. And a whole bunch of ninjas show up. Yep, Lady Deathstrike is there. She says, Wolverine, Sam, you battle with misappropriated power. That which was stolen must now be returned. What? I'm, I can't wait to read the next issue of Alpha Flight. I don't think we should cover the next issue. Well, the only reason I can't can't wait is because, like, does this actually tie in better to X-Men 2 than I thought it did? Like the movie? Yeah. Or was it, yeah, wasn't Lady Deathstrike in X-Men 2? Yeah, she was. I mean, it was poor, but... She, it, was, it was terrible. Yeah, but I mean... I mean, her part of it was terrible. Yeah. She was not really given anything to work with, the actress that played her, but she was a a henchman of the, the guy, whatever his name is, who was essentially the Department H. Uh, Wasn't it Stryker? Stryker, the Wolverine creator. So it's an amalgamation of various X characters. Uh, but if I am to infer what I think I'm inferring, uh, Lady Deathstrike is, is a Weapon X, which is a term that doesn't exist yet. I don't think that's true. But we'll find out next issue. Okay. I don't quite remember, so any anything could happen. Well, she says you fight with powers that don't belong to you, so that just infers to me that she's been hired at least by, not Department Age, by um, um, Weapon X Project. Could, you could be right, and, I, and that would actually make a lot of sense with what we just learned. So, so maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I right. don't know. Well, that'll be that'll be fun for both of us to find out. It's a true cliffhanger. Yeah. So, do you have any idea, like, why this is happening? Like, why Bill Mantlo and Alpha Flight get to tell the story and not Uncanny X Men? No idea. I mean, it's it's good. I like it, but I'm just I as a reader of the X Men, none of this was I aware of until Marvel Comics presents. Uh, came out and that Barry Windsor Smith story. So as far as I was concerned, like Barry Windsor Smith was writing Wolverine's origin. I had no idea that he was basically just writing up to this point that already existed. Well, Bill Mantlo just started writing Alpha Flight. He was writing Hulk and then John Byrne and him switched. So I don't know, maybe he was like looking back at all the Alpha Flight stuff, rereading it, reread the Wolverine stuff and was like, I got some ideas. I want to add to this. And maybe, maybe he added his, you know, he wrote it, talked to Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont was like, yeah, this works, whatever. Or maybe Chris Claremont gave him the, some ideas. Who knows? Yeah, I guess that's what I'm all curious about. Like, was this a collaborative effort? Did they talk? I mean, I mean, clearly with, with uh, Uncanny 205 taking yeah, place well, shortly after that, Chris Claremont is definitely definitely has his approval. Right. And and now that I've read this 
and I've read X-Men 205, I know where this is going. And it, it kind of changes the way that um, I, I don't know, changes everything. And we'll talk about that when we get to 205. We just changed everything. Did you hear it, that, fans? I guess it doesn't change everything, but it's... Jeremy's world just got rocked. I know, man. This is the second time that, that my world's been rocked doing this podcast, learning new things. It's crazy. It's all in the side issues. I know, man. It's all in the side issues. Never know what you're missing. And that's what this podcast is for, everybody. Without us, you don't know what happens in 42 issues of Dazzler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways... Anyways, indeed. So uh, we we got a little bit of communication. Sure did. Yeah, we got some iTunes here by Arnie eighty four. He says that this podcast is a must for any X fan. A panel by panel commentary where Adam and Jeremy take you on a journey of your favorite X Men books and Dazzler books. Yeah, well, your favorite Dazzler books. Yeah, whichever ones they are, we've covered them. That's pretty. That's a really good summary. It's it's concise. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's accurate. And and he gave us five stars, so that's even better. Marcus joined the website. He left a comment saying, "Love this podcast. That's equally as good. Short, yeah. sweet, to the point." Yeah. Georgie V at LA Boy Toy. He says, "Why doesn't Wolverine say Futzer or Scoot anymore?" Well, at the beginning of this episode, we made Wolverine say Futzer. Yeah, so in our minds, he still does. He still says it. And now, uh, uh, actually, like we're 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 in the eighties, and uh, Kitty is actually in the pages of X Men started saying "scoot." Yeah, she's picking I don't up. Oh, if that continues, but she's picking up on some of Wolverine's traits. You know, it's it's like everybody; they go through phases, they get out of them, they come back into them, they pass it along. I imagine that Futzer just wasn't a very. I mean, you know, clearly Futzer. Like was a swear word that they just turned into a not swear word. Right. And then they decided that was stupid or something. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. But in my mind, Wolverine never stopped saying Futzer. To this day, it's just old man Logan. When I went to go see the Hugh Jackman Logan movie, he was he said Futzer all the time. So like, mother Futzer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he did say the F word quite a bit. We talked about that already. Anyways, uh, Pat Gunter had some comments on the Phoenix story and and kind of the connecting points between the space shuttle, what she remembers, uh, and all that, and why why did she um, immediately remember the X Sentinels? Why didn't she remember taking the cockpit and the controls and dying there? Um, so good questions. Um, I never really asked those questions because it just felt like a story mechanic to me. Um, just, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I, I answered him in the Facebook and, but I wanted to get your take on it. Just kind of like, I mean, the, the answer to that is, and the, and the other big question was, why does the Phoenix come to her? Oh, well, the answer to the first question, in my opinion, is you don't get a fight scene if Gene comes out of the cocoon going, Scott, where are you, Scott? I love you, Scott. Right. Uh, you only get that fight scene if she uh, has the classic Marvel misunderstanding, the hero's misunderstanding. So it's a mechanic. Um, it never really bothered me because that's just kind of how the Marvel storytelling works. You start the issue with a misunderstanding, you fight, you come to an understanding, and then you move to the next issue. Um, the second part, why does Phoenix come to her? I think we've talked about this before. To me, it was... You know, the, this entity just happened to be passing through the galaxy and and caught this strong wave of emotion and was like, what is this? I'm intrigued. And, and 
just wanted to experience what this was kind of like the beyonder sort of and uh and there you go yeah i think i i I think we get a better sense of that in the classic x-men story that uh we covered yeah way back back when yeah yeah um so yeah that i don't know yeah (laughs) that's what i got good answers yeah thank you man i i I worked on them all week And that's it. Uh, that's all we got. If you guys want to get a, uh, a hold of us, reach out to us, you can do so by uh, visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, uh, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, following us at Danger Room Go, email dangerroom at redcapproductions.com, go out to iTunes, search up uh, Danger Room in the podcast section with the first one that pops up, subscribe, leave us a review, some stars. Or give us a phone call, 501-GET-X-MEN. Leave us a voice message, and you could hear your very own voice on our podcast. And uh, you you would be right next to, well, maybe not next to, but you would be in line with our theme music, which is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And what a great job they do. Yeah, and how. So this was uh, longer than I thought it would be, but but well worth it. We got, uh, we got some things done. We got some backstory. And we're back to the, the, the regular X-Men for a while. Yeah. Straight up uncanny. Thank God. Get tired <laughs> of all this additional reading. Secret Wars is over. Ugh. Dazzler is over. Ugh. Defenders are over. Ugh. Alpha Flight, probably only going to cover the next issue. Yeah, I'll keep reading it, but I don't think we're going to cover it. Yeah. Honestly, it hasn't been that X-Men centric at all. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else, Adam? Nope. Then until next time, everybody, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. Thank you.